Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Pickles and Vodka Podcast. I'm your host, Christina, and I am exhausted. Um, I just got home from the closing shift at work, like hopped on a bus 40 minutes ago, got home 10 minutes ago, fed my cat, who, by the way, has been driven crazy by the variety in my schedule the last few weeks, so she doesn't really know when she's going to get fed. Like, I feed her twice a day, but she doesn't know when it's going to be, and so she has been acting out like the little bitch she is by chewing up all of my power cords. Um, If you follow me on social media, you might know that she has been doing this for a while. Uh, She's gone through two laptop cords, a phone charging cord, and now my headphones that are very nice that my ex got me for Christmas one year. They're over-ear headphones, they're leather, and when I was editing this episode, I realized that the sound was only coming out of one ear. Um, And right now, I can't afford new ones, so hopefully this sounds okay. But yeah, in the last week... I've had to replace my laptop and my cell phone. So that's been fun. So yeah, 10 minutes ago, I got home. I fed my cat. I threw some veggies in the oven because I'm trying this thing where I eat vegetables and roasted sweet potatoes and Brussels sprouts have been my go-to. Like it's super easy. I just throw them in and I've been eating them like every day. So they are baking in the oven as I record this. I'm kind of stressed right now, not going to lie. I have to be up really early, like 6.30, to go to work at 9, and then I have to get off work at 4, take a bus really far north to go to my first ever outpatient meeting. Well, actually, it's it's the intake session for outpatient program that I will be enrolling in for my mental health. Basically, I got my insurance back and I called them to try to set things up with a therapist and they recommended that things had progressed so much that it would be in my best interest to just start outpatient right away since inpatient isn't an option for me right now. And I know that it's easy to hide how I'm really doing on this podcast, even though I know it's all about honesty. I try to be a positive presence for the most part, but I'm really not doing okay Lately, I've kind of been spiraling uh, with my alcohol use and my bulimia. So this is really good for me. It's scary as hell, but it's going to be good for me. Uh, so that starts tomorrow. I have a lot to do to prepare. And on top of this, I'm, I'm still editing today's episode that is late getting published. Whatever. You guys will love it. It's totally worth it. Um, my guest M uh, was one of the first people I met online when I started getting involved on Reddit in the mental health communities, and she's an amazing person. I I feel like I say that about all my guests, but all my guests truly are amazing people. But M is just a treat. Anyone who knows her knows she's very sincere and helpful and smart as hell, and she's going to hate me for saying this about her, but um, I don't care. It's true. She's a babe. Uh, she's going to be talking about uh, borderline personality disorder uh, on top of other things. So keep listening to hear our conversation about that. Uh, but one more thing I want to say before we go over to that is I'm sure you noticed that there wasn't an episode last week. And that's because I've decided to release the podcast every other Monday instead of every Monday because I have just been so stressed with my own personal life. 
And the whole reason for this podcast is to be a healthy outlet for my mental health. And I do want to produce the best quality episodes I can for you guys and do as much research as I can and have really good content. And I I just feel like releasing it every other week will make it easier for me to do that. So thanks for being understanding. Um, I still am really excited about the future of this podcast. I'm still looking for guests and content and um, oh, oh yeah. Oh my God. One thing that happened this week or last week, I hit a hundred downloads and I also hit a hundred followers on Instagram, which isn't a lot, but for me to hit that number, I was just like so damn happy. You guys just made my life basically. So thank you for that. Um, keep telling your friends, uh, keep following. I I don't really know. I'm so bad at promoting this thing, but yeah, I'm just gonna jump right into the conversation. I think I'm done with these little announcements slash updates about me. I love you guys, and I hope you have a good Tuesday because let's be honest, it'll be Tuesday by the time this gets out there. So yeah, here we go. So um, yeah, let me know when we're starting. Oh, oh, it started. It started, baby. Oh, for God's sake. Really? (laughs) No, the the beautiful thing is I can go back and edit whatever I want. So. Okay, fine. Um, So I'm Em. Um, You peaches will know me as Pinky Out Yo or Echo Mike. I am a 26-year-old woman living in the UK, as I'm sure you can tell from my obnoxious accent. Um, And yeah, Christina has very generously invited me onto her podcast and by that I mean Um, I begged you (laughs) (laughs) she did she sent me a photo of her you know just down on her no to be (laughs) honest I've been having a go at her for what like weeks months to uh let me do this so um I I'm honestly gratified that I've been given this opportunity particularly because um the main thing I'm here to talk about is borderline personality disorder. Yes, let's get into that. Let's get into that. Um, first, the one thing I would like to say before I get into any of it is that I will be talking about two things. I will be talking about the factual aspect of borderline personality disorder, so statistics, uh, diagnostic criteria, but then I will also be talking about my own personal experiences with it and I want you to know whoever's listening that my personal experiences do not reflect every borderline because honestly Christina one of the things that I've been worrying about since we talked about doing this was that I'm going to come on here and I'm going to talk and everybody's going to come away going god that woman was an absolute asshole (laughs) what every borderline is like right every borderline is going to be like that and I don't know much about it, but it seems like it varies a lot based on the person to person. Um, yeah, that's that's a good place to start. There are um, there are different ways to divide up borderlines. There's been a lot of research done over it, but there seem to do uh, to be two prevailing ways of doing it. So um, the first one is the more simple one. You have the quiet or introvert borderline. Okay. Or the okay. loud and extrovert borderline. 
the quiet and introvert borderline is the type where I suppose not much of this is going to make sense before I've actually been through the diagnostic criteria. Like, what is it for those of us who don't know anything about it? Okay, so borderline personality disorder, it's a personality disorder. It's one of 10 personality disorders recognized by the DSM-5, which is used as a manual for psychiatric problems. Um, They come out with a new edition every few years the current one is edition five i think the best way to explain borderline personality disorder as a basic thing is by going through the nine diagnostic criteria that are given by the dsm-5 so in order to be diagnosed you have to meet at least five of these nine points number one frantic efforts to avoid real or imagined abandonment Two, a pattern of unstable and intense interpersonal relationships characterized by alternating between extremes of idealization and devaluation. Three, identity disturbance, markedly and persistently unstable self-image or sense of self. Four, impulsivity in at least two areas that are potentially self-damaging. For example, spending, sex, substance abuse, reckless driving, (laughs) driving, binge eating. Recurrent suicidal behavior, gestures or threats or self-mutilating behavior. Six, effective instability due to a marked reactivity of mood. For example, intense episodic dysphoria, irritability or anxiety. Chronic feelings of emptiness is number seven. Uh, Eight is inappropriate intense anger or difficulty controlling anger. And nine is transient stress-related paranoid ideation or severe dissociative symptoms. Now, in my time, I have been over those criteria so many times. And there's only one of those that doesn't apply to me out of the nine. Inappropriate or intense anger. It's not that I don't feel anger. It's that when I do, I internalize it. And that is a perfect um, analogy for the difference between quiet and loud or introverted and extroverted borderlines. Yeah, so explain the difference between those in more detail now that we know what the criteria is. If someone is aware of borderline personality disorder, they would usually think of the loud or the extroverted borderline. Not that every person who fits that criteria is the same or does but the idea is that we are unable to control our emotions which you know we are that's sort of a criteria but that we're unable to control them towards other people now yes some borderlines are not all of us do a lot of us rather than taking our anger or our sadness or our stress out on other people we internalize it and we do it to ourselves i know that a lot of the people you've already had on your your program um and a lot of the people who are going to be listening to this can identify we are so much crueler towards ourselves oh totally ever be to another human being and and i think it's ironic because you're one of the most supportive people i know but then like you wouldn't say the things you say to yourself to someone else not in a million years no of course not but i don't think that that's 
I don't even think that that's limited to um, neuroatypicals either. I think most people will. I just think when it's particularly the community that we met with, a, a fundamental part of that is having a lot of self-resentment and a lot of self-hate. Yeah, we met online in a, a mental health subreddit. So we've constantly been surrounded with people who are struggling, like that's just the communities that we're in. So I think a lot of the people that we know on there can relate to the, you know, self-resentment you were saying. Uh, yeah, it's, I mean, it's it's a big problem, particularly, I mean, I'm, I'm not ashamed of saying this. This is a mental health podcast. I do. I, yeah, I have an eating disorder. I have an eating disorder. I have for 12 years. I, you know, and that, that's, you might not want to put this in, um, and I would completely understand if you cut this out, but I sort of want to do a public service announcement. Do it. If anyone listening to this is bulimic or purges or is considering doing this, don't. If anyone listening to this struggles with alcohol, get help now. I have been purging for 12 years I have an alcohol problem and fuck knows what I've put on my nose. I don't even know at this point. We think we're immortal. I still do, but my body has started breaking down. I can't eat solids anymore. I I don't remember the last day I didn't have chest pains. If you purge, I mean, God, 12 years is a long time to get away with it. Okay, I've still got my own teeth, but in the last two months, every time I purge, my heart pains are almost unbearable. If you have not started purging, or if you, wherever you are, just stop, okay? Because this sort of stuff is going to kill us. Yep. It will, you know this as well, Christina, it will kill us. Whether it's the chicken or the egg, I do not like myself. So, yeah, the the sort of media depiction of borderline is usually the one who acts out, the one who's irrationally angry towards other people, the one who does all that. I do not have that sort of anger towards other people. I've never been violent. I've never thrown anything at anyone. I've never had that sort of rage. But... That is the only one of the nine criteria that I don't fit, personally. When were you so, diagnosed? Um, it was 2013, um, so about three months shy of six years ago. Okay, and how did that come about? For the second time, I had to take a year off of university because I was just not well at all. When you and, say not well, I mean, that could mean so I mean, many mentally, different things. Sorry, yes, my, my mental health was spiralling out of control. In fact, this was the first time that I would have ever considered myself an alcoholic. Mm. And we can talk about that plenty too, but... Absolutely. So um, I, for a long time in that period, I really didn't have any connection with reality in a real sense um and so I got this diagnosis um I will say in the UK 
the NHS is brilliant. We are so proud of it. It's one of our national treasures. But trying to get mental health treatment on it, there's a long waiting list. Now, fortunately... I'm so, sorry, I'm an ignorant American here. What's the NHS? Oh, sorry. So it's our um, social health care thing. It's funded by taxes. You can walk into any hospital, any doctor's surgery. You don't have to pay a thing. Wonderful. You do have to pay for certain medications, most medications, but there are exemptions. So, for example, we don't have to pay for birth control here. That's awesome. It really is. This is why we're so proud of it. In fact, if anyone saw the um, opening ceremony of the 2012 London Olympics, there was like about a good five, ten minutes that were just a dedication to the NHS. Aww. Uh, stands for National Health Service. That's beautiful. But you said there's a long waiting list for mental health services? Yeah, absolutely. You can't blame them. I mean, this is not podcast worthy, but the current government is slashing social um, funding. So it's getting worse. But thankfully, um, I have a family who is in a position that they were able to financially support me in getting a private session. Um, And at the end of it, I was diagnosed with borderline personality disorder. And I got in the car afterwards with my mum and she asked me how it went. And I told her what I'd been diagnosed with. And she went, what does that mean? Hmm. And I said, I don't know. He didn't tell me. Are you serious? I'd never heard of it before. And he didn't tell me what it meant. It's a big, scary diagnosis to receive if you don't know what it means. It sounds... Well, the thing is, it wasn't scary for me because I'd never heard of it. I didn't realise how... The thing is, with borderline personality disorder, not only is it incredibly dangerous when it's untreated, it also affects the way that people treat you once they know you have that diagnosis. Well, yeah, I was going to say any personality disorder seems to carry a heavy stigma with it. I think borderline personality disorder is one of the worst. I mean, schizotypal and schizoaffective disorders, obviously society sees anything associated with schizophrenia as being scary and horrifying. But when you come to the medical community, the second they find out that you're borderline, this standard of care completely changes. I have been to A&E, or I guess what you guys call ER. Yeah. A&E for us is um, accident and emergency, but so it's the the hostel, the emergency part. I have gone there so many times, I can't count, but there are at least two times I've gone there after I've um, attempted suicide. And how did they treat you? Once they found out I was borderline... It's, there have been studies done, and in fact, I um, brought up one to mention, but it was about 80 pages long, and I couldn't condense it enough. Um, oh, yeah. But even in within the medical community, when asked, they will admit that when if they're dealing with a borderline patient, they, they will treat them differently. Whilst I was at uni, I lived with a couple of med students, um, they didn't know that I was borderline. Um, and yeah, they they were doing a uh, section on psychiatric uh, things. And yeah, they came home talking about how in their lecture they were said, yep, yeah, someone with a personality disorder, especially borderline personality disorder, you won't 
tell anyone I've told you this, but don't bother with them. Wow, so there's a there's definitely heavy stigma there. A massive stigma. Among the people that should be most responsible for helping and, you know, empathizing with these people. To be, you know, as a sort of balance, um, my GPs, so my local doctors, have been really supportive and understanding. So it's not the entire profession. I guess just if you're in that high pressure situation of, God, we've got like 50 people we need to see who are in uh, the emergency room. Who can we get rid of? Well, it's the borderlines because they're here for attention. Oh, God. Honestly, it's why I've stopped going to the A&E. There have been times when I've absolutely needed to but I can't face that kind of treatment. Again, it's dehumanizing, quite yeah, frankly. for sure. I mean, would there be a way to go in and not tell them that? Or is it just on your permanent The thing record? is, well, yeah, you, you can go in and not tell them, but at some point they will access your record. And um, usually, well, no, in fact, every time I've been there, it's because I've been in such a state of crisis that someone else has taken me there. And they tell them about, you know, they ask, okay, well, does she have any history of mental health problems? So it comes out. You said earlier there, you know, you've seen media dis- depictions of people with borderline and they're usually focused on the, you know, ex- you said the extrovert borderline. Absolutely. What, um, are there any that you can think of that you disagree with? Because I don't think I've ever seen a depiction in the media of borderline. Okay, so... I came up with the three main examples. Um, so for a negative portrayal of BPD, you have Glenn Close's character in Fatal Attraction, the famous bunny boiler. Okay, I haven't seen it, but that, that I can already picture what you're about to say. Yeah, so that's the one that portrays us as the crazy, unstable, just will do anything type i mean it makes me angry quite frankly but then you have the sort of neutral depiction um i would recommend anyone who is listening to this who deals with sort of mental health problems to watch girl interrupted i love that movie and the book exactly well the main character is Susanna Kaysen is borderline i don't remember that i guess i never yeah. made a connection so Susanna Kaysen, Winona Ryder's character, is diagnosed with borderline verbally in the film. So I would say that's quite a neutral depiction of borderline. Um, and if there are any other borderlines listening to this who haven't seen it, I would really recommend that you watch Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. The first season is sort of, yeah, she's behaving weirdly and whatever, but then you hit sort of late season two and she gets diagnosed with borderline personality disorder. And honestly, it's the most accurate representation of this that I have seen in any media. And what's fantastic about it is that not only does it show what I call an episode, um, which is where my symptoms sort of spiral out of control, It also shows her hitting rock bottom. It shows her going into therapy. It shows her 
flourishing. It shows her relapsing. It shows her giving up on therapy because she thinks she's doing well. It shows the impacts of not maintaining therapy. It shows her learning to deal with the idea of relationships while she's in recovery. Wow. Sounds like a really good portrayal. It it really is. Plus, um, there's a song <laughs> on it. Oh, um, for anyone who hasn't seen it, it is quite a musical show. A uh, lot of songs. Um, but there's a song that has been on, uh, I don't know, in the last sort of four or five episodes called I'm Not Sad, You're Sad, cool. which is a brilliant representation of what, like, a borderline manic episode is like. So when you talk about episodes, bringing the conversation back to your personal experience, how often do you have them and what do they look like? Um, It's sort of hard to say. I mean... Is it, like, a constant thing, then, that you're always experiencing? I would say there are certain constants for me whether you know I can be on the top of the world in terms of feeling happy without being manic but I am constantly fearing abandonment I am constantly trying to have a sense of self I don't know who I am as a person I'm so I'm constantly reconstructing my identity based on the people I'm around I think it's in the criteria, but one of the things I feel is a constant sense of emptiness. There's there's something missing in me. You do struggle with different things in addition to the, the BPD. Like you said, you mentioned the chicken and the egg earlier. It's kind of hard to tell, like, what is a result of the BPD or what is, you know... Well, precisely, and that's something that I'd like to talk about. It's the cause of BPD. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'd also like to address uh, the comorbidities, which ties into that. That's the word I was looking for. The chicken and the egg thing. In terms of causes, four out of five people with borderline personality disorder develop it because they've suffered some abuse in their lifetime, be it physical, sexual, emotional, mental. And does that apply to you? No. No, it doesn't. I had a happy childhood. I have a loving family. I have suffered from... I'm not sure I'd go as far as to call it sexual assault, but circum- repeated circumstances. But this was after I got the diagnosis. No, I I had a happy childhood. Loving family, supportive in every way. I never experienced anything untoward. So I am the one of five who feels like they don't have a right to their personality disorder. I, I mean, I can relate I, strongly to that. I don't, I haven't been diagnosed with a personality disorder, but there's nothing I can point my finger at and be like, that's the thing that made me who I am. It's weird, isn't it? You know, yeah. you sort of think, especially, you know, considering that a lot of people here listening to this are going to be uh, peaches or people that we know with similar things that you and I struggle with. Right. You know, you look at the posts that they've made and you think, Christ, if I had gone through that... It would wreck I me. Don't, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how you've managed to make yourself such a functional human being. Exactly. Meanwhile, I'm here, the fucking borderline, with absolutely no traumas. Um, so every therapist that I've ever had has tried to identify my trauma. Oh, yeah. That's a big thing. 
as I've said before, I look and behave like I have daddy issues. I wear way too short clothes. I have too many piercings. I sleep around with everybody. I have a great relationship with my father. He's so present in my life. He's so caring. He's so supportive. But But apparently, when I was about, I was a toddler, I was terrified of men to the fact that social services had to get involved. I could not be in a room with any men, including my own father. So part of me goes, did did something happen? But then obviously the research on repressed memories is very um, questionable. So that's something the therapists have tried to explore with you mm-hmm. to kind of solve all your problems. I mean, you know, if you can get at a root cause, then they've done their job. Exactly. But to me, I I don't think there's a root cause. Yeah. And I mean, even if you are able to identify the root cause, you still have to deal with the problems at hand. It's like that's half the work. Yeah, exactly. I am one of the lucky borderlines in that I haven't suffered abuse in my life. But that doesn't diminish any of the symptoms you experience. So keep talking about the comorbidity thing. Okay, so um, there are six main comorbidities that occur with borderline personality disorder. Um, So one of the primary ones is bipolar, um, and that's either type 1 or type 2. What makes it difficult distinguishing is that borderline is... I've had it described to me as that borderline personality disorder is like being bipolar but on crack. Oh, fun. So what we commonly associate with bipolar disorder is, you know, being very high and very low. Yeah. But those periods exist over a number of days or even weeks. With borderline personality disorder, you can be curled up in a fetal position under a desk begging someone to kill you or to let you die. And then three hours later, you're going out for a nice bike ride and getting pissed or whatever. Uh, The mood swings involved in borderline are so frequent and so intense we as a people, we're not good at the middle road. <laughs> I don't remember, honestly, and I'm not exaggerating here, I don't remember the last time I was just okay, where I wasn't either completely miserable or, like, ecstatically happy. Mm, it has to yell black and white. Yeah, that is a term that's frequently used with borderline. Um, okay, so um, another one There's argument to whether this is a comorbidity or whether they are both linked. Okay. Um, But post-traumatic stress disorder. So abuse and trauma is, is, you know, it's not unlikely that it would lead to borderline personality disorder with the right genetics. Um, So calling it a comorbidity, it's not usually diagnosed as two separate things. They're usually treated as one is a representative of the other. Yeah, if like four out of five borderlines have been abused, and that would make sense that they also have PTSD. What I found interesting in researching this is that the studies done, only up to 71% of people with BPD have major depressive disorder. Oh, so this, is this but another I, comorbidity? Yeah, absolutely. So um, one of the big borderline things is the feeling of chronic emptiness. Um, which a lot of people would usually associate with depression. But apparently the highest percentage that's been given is for comorbidity with major depressive disorder. 71%. So there's... With um, major depressive disorder. So that leaves like a... I'm 
terrible at math. 29% who have not been diagnosed with major depressive disorder. Yeah, and that was fascinating to me because for me, the depression came first. I truly believe I've had depression since I was 11. The idea that depression is a part of being borderline, but it's not always diagnosable as a particular disorder in and of itself. That was quite interesting to me. Okay, so what's so that's number three? Four and five, I'm going to go back to them because you and I uh, can relate to those. Not that we can't relate to uh, six. Um, so six is anxiety disorders. Between 75% and 90% of people with borderline also meet criteria for at least one type of anxiety disorder. Um, and that includes panic disorders. Does that apply to you? Oh god, I absolutely have social anxiety. Um, And the other common comorbidities are other personality disorders. The most common other personality disorders in conjunction are ASPD, which is antisocial personality disorder, and also MPD, narcissistic personality disorder, and HSPD, I think it's called, which is histrionic personality disorder. In fact, it's only been really recently that histrionic personality disorder and borderline personality disorder were separated as two different things. I haven't even then, heard of that second one. We get into the fun stuff. Substance use. Oh boy. <laughs> um, so up to 72% of people with borderline personality disorder will also have substance abuse as a large part of their lives. So talk about your history with that. Okay, so my alcohol use began the way that most people do. It was, you know, a little bit before you were legally drinking, but it was, you know, a social thing. I grew up in a Mauritian family, but French Mauritian. I started drinking wine at the age of four. In that sense, I mean... If we were having like a family dinner, everyone would be drinking wine and I would be given the equivalent of a shot of wine. Um, So that's crazy to me because, I mean, I've been drinking since I was 15, you know, wine with dinner. I thought in America, I'd say that's kind of not standard. You just blown me away. The the alcohol uh, culture in your country... Oh, it's fucked I, up. There are so many things about your country that I find fucked up. But... <laughs> you and me both. It's okay. Um, no, so I when I started drinking, it was at the normal time. I, in fact, it was quite late for sort of me being a teenager in the UK. The first time I ever got really drunk was when I was 16. And then I didn't really get properly drunk again until I turned 18. And these are all social reasons, you know, you yeah, weren't drinking absolutely. out of depression or anything. No. So, any peaches here will know uh, Balsamic Steve. So, uh, for those who don't know, Peach is a social media platform uh, where a bunch of us from Reddit have kind of formed a community. And so when we refer to peaches, we refer to people from there. Steve was um, never one of those people as well. I grew up with him. He was the sort of person that I grew up drinking with as well. Like when we started drinking beer and Alco Pops and... Alco Pops? Oh, God. Sorry, I forget which things are UK terms. Is that literally like an alcoholic popsicle? Because that's what I'm thinking of. (laughs) No, but I would love one of those about now. (laughs) Alco Pops are... I don't know what brand... Do you know Bacardi Breezes? 
Mm, no. Okay, so Alco Pops are um, mixed drinks. They're usually a- around um, 4% ABV. Very weak alcohol, very brightly coloured, very sweet. So kid stuff. And teenagers drink them, exactly. What, not four-year-olds? Dig. God, I honestly, my parents giving me wine at the age of four was fine. It was a cultural thing. <laughs> Fucking hell. We're middle class. I don't think Alco Pops existed when I was that age. Okay, so you used to get together with Steve and drink those. <laughs> yeah, our group of friends did. So I've been through the nine diagnostic criteria. Um, oh, well, yes, yeah, sorry. We got Steve. To, um, okay, we're going. We're we're limited on time. So the other main comorbidity I wanted to discuss: eating disorders. There was a study done. I think it was. It's something like the International Journal of Eating Disorders. They found that a staggering ninety percent of people with borderline personality disorder met criteria for anorexia bulimia or ednos 90 bloody percent and that that's males and females uh, that's another thing to address as well three out of four people diagnosed with borderline personality disorder are females 90 percent of us have eating disorders so when did your eating disorder begin? Um, I was 14. Um, I was speaking to one of our mutual friends about this last night. As a child, I was really skinny. That was partially genetics and partially because, you know, when you're a kid, you run around a lot. Yeah. But also, I had no interest in food as a thing. Like, I acknowledged it was something I had to do. But I got more important shit to do, like reading. And that, so I was always the skinniest person in a room just because that was my natural makeup. And then I got to high school and I was in an all-girls grammar school. So for people not in the UK, a grammar school, you have to pass a test. Uh, they examine you on your maths skills, your English skills. And God, I haven't taken the test in 15 years, so I can't remember. But the whole thing is based on you being intelligent enough to get in. The thing is, I will always be a proponent for grammar schools, but only if they're mixed. I think grammar schools are important because if you go to a comprehensive, you risk not having the intellectual stimulation that you need. But going to an all-girls grammar school, yeah, it's toxic. The competitiveness is off the chart. You not only have to be top of the social spectrum, you also have to be the most intelligent and the skinniest and the most attractive. I don't want to sound like a dick, even though I will. Go for it. I was easily the most intelligent person there. Clearly, I've got more than just a personality disorder. But Well, I mean, that's also something no. you can talk about. Because you are you are a very intelligent person with a personality disorder, and I think that defies the image that a lot of people have. Talking about that, it's it's a very well studied correlation that the link between intelligence and mental illness. I was just talking to someone about this the other night about how most of the unhappiest people I know are also the most intelligent. No, there, there have been numerous studies done that correlate intelligence with mental illness. Obviously, correlation does not imply causation. But at this point, I think we need to, whether or not it's direct or indirect is a separate problem. I mean, is it that intelligence leads to certain behaviours which lead to 
mental illness or is it that they are directly related is it that it's right. a genetic component chicken or the egg i, know, I was gonna say it but i didn't want to sorry um i'm transporting you outside because i need a cigarette because i'm a slave to my um impulses also that's another okay so this is a good point to talk about impulsive behavior all right let's go Okay, cool. So one of the more defining traits of borderline is impulsive behavior, also known as reckless behavior. But that that involves things like um, overspending, reckless sex, substance abuse. And I know for me, there are two people who are going to be listening to this who know me really well. Both of them will, <laughs> within a second, go, yeah, that's the one. Oh, um, by the way, I told you I was going to do a shout out. Uh, Taylor, if you're listening, here we are. Um, any women in the north of England who are looking for a man who is very interested in beer and metal music, get in touch with me. Um, <laughs> I'm moving to northern England right now. <laughs> I could so hook you up with Taylor. So one of our big things is reckless behavior, especially when we're having an episode. And I realized I didn't really define that earlier. What I mean by episode is when our symptoms are really presenting in full force. They've all come out. They're having a march. They're protesting against you having a stable life. And how often does that happen? For me personally... I don't know, about four or five times a year. And those episodes can go on for as short as two weeks or as long as three months. I get mania, I hallucinate. You know, I've been speaking to you earlier this year. I went out on a series of dates with various men and of course I slept with them and it rarely ended well. Um, reckless behavior is one of the hallmarks of borderline personality disorder, but that's why it makes it so difficult to distinguish between bipolar and borderline because a borderline episode and a manic episode from someone with bipolar present in a very similar way well how, how would you make the distinction then it's really hard to tell and there's quite a, a relation between misdiagnosis i would certainly say that board, uh, bipolar is more socially acceptable than borderline um, mostly because more people are aware of what bipolar means. Not right. that they have a, a massive understanding of it. But... Yeah, people joke about, oh, oh, I'm so bipolar today, you know. Exactly. Nobody goes, oh, I'm so borderline today. Exactly. Yeah, bipolar is one of the most common comorbidities with borderline personality sort of which is what makes it so difficult to distinguish. In terms of reckless behaviours... Talk about the hallucinations, because would you say that's pretty common with borderline? It's not. No, it's not. I I try to find statistics for it, but I couldn't. But psychotic tendencies with borderline personality disorder aren't uncommon. However, normally that means something like paranoia, um, and usually that's related to the fear of abandonment. Um, in terms of actually hallucinations or things along that line I couldn't find statistics about it looking back I didn't recognize them for what they were at the time do they occur okay. when you're sober or are you under the influence the first time it happened I was under the influence but it was 
a different kind of psychosis. It was a detachment from reality, which personally I would file under dissociation rather than hallucination. I was was about to say, like, I've experienced disassociation and it sounds, I don't know. What's the difference, would you say? Dissociation involves detachment from reality in some way whereas hallucinations involve introducing something into your reality gotcha my most common form of hallucination is and i'm sure a lot of people who've dealt with this (laughs) can relate uh the shadow people yes i remember one of our first conversations on the phone was about the shadow people yeah in fact i had them last night they were nice enough to stay in my periphery rather than actually move around. So paint a picture of what an interaction with the shadow people looks like. I mean, these days, I recognise them for what they are. Just because I know they're not real doesn't mean that I'm not seeing them. It doesn't mean that I'm not scared of them. So I talk to them. And yeah, sure, I'm the mental woman who's talking out loud to herself in an empty room to non-existent shadows, but it makes me feel better. But sometimes they get worse, they congregate around me, they hover around me, they are sort of within a metre of me. That's terrifying. I don't know really how to explain this. Is it something Um, that's triggered by anything in particular? Well, I worked this out today, conveniently. It's emotional stress. However, everybody has different triggers for it. Well, in your particular experience. I've had paranoia as well, where I thought there were cameras hidden in my... I'm a 26-year-old woman who still sleeps with a teddy bear. It's a nostalgic thing. My dad gave it to my mum when they were dating, and then my mum gave it to me. Anyway, there was a period of about a week where I hid him under my bed because I was convinced that there were cameras in his eyes. I think the worst hallucination I've ever had was I had a chair in my corner and I was trying to sleep. And there was, I can only describe him as a cowboy. Oh. The cowboy hat was tipped so low down that I couldn't see his eyes. I could only see the bottom of his face. Oh, I'm getting, like, goosebumps. That's, like... It's fucking horrifying. I, I, It scared the shit out of me, quite frankly, because at the time it was one of those, okay, this is horrifying, but also I've experienced this sort of thing long enough to know this isn't real. What was most scary is, why is my brain doing this? Oh, there was also the time, and I've definitely told you about this one, it was when I was uh, staying at my ex's house, and for about two months, I was convinced that there were goblins living in his shower. Oh, yeah. The shower goblins. I was con- the shower goblins. I never saw them. I always thought that they were too polite to stay in the shower when I needed one. I'd- I never saw them. I knew for a fact that there were two goblins living in that shower. And did you express concern to your ex about them? Oh, he knew. Yeah, no, Absolutely. So all of the relationships that I've had since that point, there have only been two people who haven't left me where I was the one to do the breakup. Okay, but how many relationships have you had total? Okay, before Nathan, it was Taylor, the one I gave the shout out to. Oh, Um, interesting. But I'm going to mention it again, and I would love you to keep this in because we're best friends and he hates to be reminded 
that we were in a relationship at one point. I mean, that's a thing I, that happens sometimes. It's great to talk about. Oh, no, honestly, seriously, one of the most fun things I do is reminding Taylor that we used to be together. Oh, out of all of the relationships, only two did not end with you get being dumped, which probably yeah, doesn't exactly. do much for the fear of abandonment. Every single time that I was left, I obviously it hurt at the time, but looking back, they were right because I was out of control. My borderline symptoms were too much to deal with. So, for example, my most recent ex, he's the love of my life. You would still say that after everything that's gone down? I don't know. I felt that at the time and I hadn't felt like saying that about someone in about six years. So so you were obviously comfortable telling him about the side of you, you know. Well, no, the thing is, I've adopted this thing of you meet someone new that you might have something with. Just tell them about the whole thing. It's not like I'm going to sit down and go, oh, what are you drinking? Oh, that's nice. Uh, by the way, I have personality disorder, an eating disorder, a drinking problem, and there is no way that you look at me and you can't think, God, she's got an eating disorder. Yeah. It's it's very obvious in my case. And so how have guys reacted? Or girls? So you've, you've dated women, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I define myself as 70% gay, 30% straight. Women don't tend to go for me because basically I look the archetypal. She's experimenting. No, in terms of guys, they say they can handle it. And by it, do you mean the eating disorder or just the whole package? The whole package. Okay. And I say, no, you can't. You haven't seen what it's like. And they go, no, no, I can handle it. And then they can't. And they then they leave me. I don't think a guy has stuck around for more than two episodes. That's depressing as shit. Well, precisely. I mean, one of the key things about borderline personality disorder is unstable relationships. Honestly, for a long time, I thought that didn't apply to me because all of my relationships have been long term. But that doesn't necessarily mean they're with the right people either. Like you can be in a long-term relationship with someone who's unstable but precisely i look back and i go that was unstable so what does that do for your mental health like over that span of time being left that many times do you think it makes you even more determined to go out and try again or do you feel like at this point really no every time it happens it 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 reinforces the idea that i can't be loved i'm unlovable no one will ever love me and, you know, and then it happens. I, I'm i one of those dickheads who finds it very easy to find someone to trick into a relationship. That's a harsh word. It's not like I don't believe that I can be loved. It's I don't believe that I can be loved on a long-term basis. Do you see yourself eventually being with someone long-term? Like, that's what you, is that what you want? I'd love that. Okay, I chat being the the person who does a hit and run, does a bang and bail. And of course, I, I want to be in a relationship. I want to be with someone with whom I can be happy and 
who makes me feel comfortable and and you deserve but, that you know everyone deserves that of course everyone deserves that the problem is the borderline part kicks in and you go right things are going well at the moment uh how do we sabotage this immediately that's what we do because you go things are going really well i'm really happy which means that they're gonna leave me they're gonna hurt me so i need to shut this down now so i can be the one who stopped it rather than them how do you shut that voice down like are there for those who are listening and they are trying to recover i wanted to ask if there was anything that you found helpful Okay, well, if there are any people who can look at those criteria, um, I also know that in certain countries, obtaining that sort of uh, treatment is expensive. Look up techniques for DBT, dialectical therapy. I would recommend that. Personally, it helped me for a while, but, you know, this thing cannot be contained. <laughs> yeah. But dialectical behavioral therapy is what has led me to not being suicidal. Anyone who identifies with anything that I've said, I would recommend you to look up the DSM 5 definition of borderline personality disorder. And if you identify with that, I would recommend that you contact your medical professional and see if that's relevant because honestly untreated borderline personality disorder is a really dangerous thing 80 percent of people who have been diagnosed with it attempt suicide and 10 percent of people diagnosed with it complete suicide I mean, God, that was that was so scary for me to learn. Currently, I don't want to kill myself. Amazing. Cheers. <laughs> I don't but, want you to die. But I've tried so many times. And it is, you know, something you deal with one day at a time, unfortunately. Okay. I think I've covered everything that I wanted to get at. Do you have any closing notes or closing comments for the listeners? Yeah, I, I do. My type of BPD has been one of those reckless behavior types. As in, I'll snort anything, I'll drink anything, I'll shag anything. And that's the reckless behavior type of borderline. I know I come across as an arsehole, but I'm only speaking from personal experience. I told Christina this at the beginning I'm scared that talking about borderline personality disorder I'm gonna make borderlines look bad no I mean it is clear that you're speaking about your own experiences and this is just meant to be a conversation about that and if it opens the door to new conversations that's great okay I would like to say one last thing all right borderline personality does not make someone a bad person. Usually it's an indication that they have had some traumas in their life. Not always, but usually. We're not bad people. We're not always manipulative. The thing that ties us together is 
that we just want to be loved. Amen. And you deserve love. Everyone deserves love, no matter what you've been diagnosed with. Can I say one last thing? (laughs) Yes. To everyone listening to this who has borderline personality disorder or any sort of personality disorder or an eating disorder or depression or anxiety or psychosis, you are still a valid person. Your presence, your existence makes the world a better place. I know how scary it is when that sort of thing happens, but I promise you the world will be a much worse place if you weren't in it. Yeah, you guys are all so beautiful and amazing, and we love you guys. And you can hit either of us up if you need support in any way, seriously. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, For Peaches, you know my name. If you're on the spreadsheet, you know my name. But if you don't, my full name is M. Fanchet, and you can find me on Facebook. Cool. Thanks for doing that. that- you're like such a supportive person and I, I even with all your inner struggles like you've been one of the most supportive people I've met since starting this chapter oh, in my life. Fuck so. off. I'm fuck oh, off. <laughs> that's all I'm going to say about that. Yeah, Emma's a very supportive person. Uh go bug her. Um I would also add bug Christina because she clearly has a warped ident- like feelings about people. Uh, oh, excuse me? <laughs> well, you just told me that... Okay, yeah, bug me too. If you want to be a guest on the podcast, feel free to hit me up. Um, <laughs> And then we can talk shit about each other. Anyway, you're a babe. <laughs> right back at you. But yeah, thank you so much for tuning in to our um, scatterbrain conversation. And hope you guys have a great week. Uh, feel free to follow the podcast uh at pickles and vodka podcast.com you can find all the social media links and stuff there hit me up with any stories or questions you have and all that good stuff i will see you guys next time bye